What's up, everybody? Good morning. We're so glad that you're here at Four Points. Uh, this is week two of Ghost Stories. Last week, we said that the Holy Spirit is not your monogram towels, and our takeaway was the Holy Spirit inside you is better than Jesus right beside you. And today, we just kind of want to continue that thought. Why the Holy Spirit inside of you is better than Jesus right beside you. Before I get really cranked up and started, we just want to tell every single one of you guys that are here this morning how grateful we are that you're here. If you're a guest with us, man, we're honored that you decided to come and worship with us. So let's get started. We really believe after last week, what an incredible weekend that we had this week and then going forward. This series is going to change a lot of your lives. And so we just want to tell you that we're pumped up and we can't wait to see what God does. So let me ask y'all a question to get started, all right? How many of you guys had a high school fling, a flame, a girlfriend, boyfriend that you are not currently with? Just show me your hands. Uh-huh. Yes. I see those hands. That's awesome. That's awesome. I did. I had um, a couple. Didn't have a lot of girlfriends growing up. But one in particular, uh, before I started dating, my wife was interesting. She was interesting. Uh, this is a, she's a good girl. Um, whatever. It's awesome. But this girl was kind of crazy, if I'm being real honest with you, because this was kind of how our lives went. And, and I used to make fun of the students that I used to teach at Spartanburg Christian Academy for years when I would watch them after class, and they were like glued to their girlfriends, some of my players that were glued to their girlfriends. As soon as class was over, zoop, and they would rush to them and be like, bro, you're going to have to calm down and pump the brakes when it comes to your girlfriend. This is a little bit too much. This is crazy. Well, I, I was kind of like a puppy dog in the 11th grade. This girl that I dated or let me say, I wanted to date. Uh, she had me wrapped around her finger, but she didn't even have to be dating me. And here was kind of how the circumstances went with us, okay? So after a certain class, let's say it was after fourth period, I would rush around and get to her locker after I got my books. And if she was in a good mood, she would talk to me. If she was in a bad mood, she wouldn't. And why would she be in a bad mood? She saw me look at another girl between the last class period, and we weren't even freaking dating! Like, she was nuts. And I was such a moron that I would continue to go back like a puppy every single class. Be like, are you sad? Are you mad at me? Can we, can we be happy today? And this happened, by the way, for about six months. Like, some people in this room, you know who I'm talking about, and you were there and you tried to tell me I was a moron, and I told you you were a moron, but no. And this is what I was always told. Why are you doing this? Well, I'm just playing hard to get. Let me tell y'all what the Greek word for hard to get is. Baloney, crap, but really this is what it means, psycho. You, if you play hard to get, in this room, I'm just telling you, I love all of you. If you're playing hard to get right now, you're a little bit crazy, okay? But I love you, nothing but love. But like, it was, a, it was an emotional nightmare for me because I never knew. Like, I would get to school in the morning and I'd be like, I wonder if this person's going to be happy or sad today. Let's hope it's a good day. We'll raise the good day flag and be excited, right? Or, or maybe I said something that I didn't even know I said, or I looked at someone driving down the road, and somehow she had a camera in my car, and she was going to be mad at me. Like, it was crazy. And some of y'all, some of y'all dealt with the same thing growing up, or maybe some of y'all are dealing with that today. And listen, husbands or wives, if that's you that's kind of crazy, do me, do me and especially your spouse a favor and pump the brakes and be a little bit less crazy. Anyway, that's free. But like when we think of that and when we've had relationships like that, oftentimes when, when you hear God wants a relationship with you and then you associate it with the truth about Scripture, the truth about God, you think, so God wants to be my friend. God wants to have a relationship with me. 
But the Bible says that God is a jealous God and that, that God gets angry at certain things that happen. And if that's the case, God must be like my high school fling, right? I mean, he has to be. He has to be, he has to be moody. And when I do bad things, he must look at me and think, what a moron. I'm not talking to you ever again because you did these horrible things. And maybe you're not like this. Maybe, maybe you didn't struggle with this. But the whole Holy Spirit thing, and like, is he a ghost or is he, is he all these things? One of the things that I've not understood about the Holy Spirit because it's such a mystery is why does he want to be my friend and what does that really look like? So if you go home with one thing today, I hope you'll go home with this, okay? I want you to go home with this. The Holy Spirit is and wants to be your friend. If you've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit is your friend. And he's not a moody, weird, like when you walk in the room and, and you've looked at some other girl, he's not your friend that looks at you and goes, you know what, I'm not talking to you. And he ignores you and he turns his back on you. He is a wonderful, kind, gentle, loving friend that the Bible says sticks closer than a brother, that he's always there for you. And as we talked about last week, he's our helper and he's our comforter and he's with us at all times. He goes before me and behind me and he puts his hand on my shoulder and on my head like Psalm 139 verse 5 says, he, that is him. And this is what I find so fascinating about us, okay? This is why last week we said that the Holy Spirit beside us is better than Jesus right beside us. Remember, Adam and Eve walked with God. They had fellowship and they were right beside him. And we are the first ones that can befriend God since Pentecost, since Jesus sent the Holy Spirit after he ascended into heaven. We're the only ones. We have it so good. And he not only wants to help us, but he wants to be our friend. And so I just want to show you, I want to show you what Paul looked at in, in Ephesians chapter 4 and kind of how this friendship takes place. Because here's the deal, here's the deal. <coughs> Excuse me. We will be his friend, but we also have to have fellowship with him. Because like my fling, if I'm the one that's moody, or I'm the one that's like, you know what, I don't feel like reading the Bible today. I don't feel like, I don't feel like going through the motions and can I just be honest with you, Pastor Mark? Christianity sometimes, it's a nuisance. Like it gets in my way of the things that I want to do. That's not a friendship, is it? That's me being that moody girl that I really didn't know if she was going to walk in the room. And if I treat my wife that way or the people that I'm closest to, it's not really a friendship. It's a one-way deal. And if all the Holy Spirit is in our life is that genie that we can rub whenever we need something, he's not a friend, is he? He's not a friend. And so... Right before the verse that we're going to start with, which is verse 25, Paul is telling us the things that we got to throw off and get rid of living this, this lifestyle that is so far from God. And then he starts with a therefore. He's like, as a result of these things, or going forward, having put away falsehood, stop lying, stop, stop living a life that is full of lives, lies, and let us each... One of you speak the truth with his neighbor because we're members in this room and in the body of Jesus Christ of one body. And so let, let's start with this, verse 25. Lying is simply not saying the absolute truth. It is a statement or something that you say that is not absolutely true. 
You're like, Pastor Mark, I, I really don't struggle with lying. Like, I, that's not really that big of a deal. Can I just be real with you this morning? This is a struggle of mine that I've written down in my journal and in my 2015 goals for myself. They're not really New Year's resolutions. They're goals that I have for myself that, that my yes is my yes and my no is my no. Because I struggle with simple things like this, and I've told you this before, but I struggle, really, truly struggle with this. Hey, Pastor Mark, how many people do you have today? Dude, we had 275 people. The reality is we had 261. Well, that's really not that big of a lie, like you round it up to the next big real number. No, that is not the absolute truth. That is not me letting my yes be my yes and my no be my no. And this is why it hurts my fellowship when I walk with the Holy Spirit. This is why it hurts him. Because he loves you. And he desires that relationship, that close fellowship where he can know you and talk to you. That gentle, loving God loves you so much through his Holy Spirit. And when I'm lying, you think about this. If I've lied to you directly and personally, think about what that did to our fellowship. You may still love me. And if, and if we have a relationship, you do still love me. But it's tough, isn't it, to really trust me again. And that's why the Holy Spirit grieves when I lie. He, he loves me no different, and it doesn't even hurt him as much as it hurts you when I lie, and it hurts me because my reputation is ruined. And when I go speak about him, people think, yeah, but that's the guy that lied. And he, and he grieves over the fact that I've lied. And here's the other thing. John chapter 8, verse 44 says, Satan, or the devil, is a liar that he's the author of all lies. And his goal, by the way, like I think oftentimes what we think when we think of the devil, oftentimes is Satan or the devil wants to, to make people crazy. And like we've seen like stuff on TV and Marilyn Manson stuff where there's like blood on people's faces and all the weird animal rituals. And we're like, that's what Satan wants for us. No, he just wants to confuse you. He just wants to make you believe something that is not true to cause your mind to begin to question all these things about God. And if we'll do that, Satan wins. That's why, guys, it's so important for our, for our yes to be yes because this body is held together by truth. And that truth is rooted and foundational through the Bible and through the Holy Spirit. And that's why he says, put away all these falsehoods. And then this is, I find verse 26 crazy. He says, be angry. So notice he doesn't say, do not be angry. He says, be angry and do not sin. Be angry and do not sin. And this is what anger is. Anger is an emotion caused by something that happened to us. It may be someone did something. It may be like your team lost. So someone didn't do something, you just get angry over it. But then this is the, this is the, the deal. And then this is when you can test yourself to see what you're doing with anger. He says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Now, I'm a person that doesn't struggle with this. Uh, the staff will laugh. My wife will laugh. Any of my friends will laugh. If there's an issue, I'm going to talk about it. Like, I've been to some of y'all's houses because I'm here. You know what? This is what we got to do. Like, we got we to take care of this. Some of you are very wise because you're like, you know what? I'm not ready to talk about this yet. And if I do, I'll say something that I regret. That's called wisdom. The, the Proverbs talks about that. That's good. But, but if you let the sun go down on your anger and you let it fester, and you let it boil, it, it, it roots these horrible things that Satan takes a hold of, and he loves it. And in your mind, you begin to believe things, and y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? You begin to believe things that aren't even true. And in our minds, the stuff pops up, and we're like, I bet this person said this, and I bet this person said this. And one of two things begins to pop up in our lives. 
wrath, which leads to like this raging, brawling anger or malice, which leads us to start lying about things that, that aren't even real. And we begin to, to believe lies about ourselves and it all comes from the root of anger. But here's the deal. There's good anger. If things offend you because of what the Bible says or what happens in, 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 through the Holy Spirit leading you in a certain way, and you're like, that is not right. And we go to people in love and we try to help them back. That is good. That is what God does. God, the, the Bible literally says that God has a holy anger. But, but guys, here's the deal. Here's the deal. You have to evaluate yourself through your fellowship with the Holy Spirit and through reading God's word, you have to evaluate yourself and, and ask this question. Is my anger rooted in selfishness or to try to help the fellowship, the body, so that my yes is my yes and my no is my no? And it's tough because I'm being honest. If my friends and my family and the people that know me best, they say, what's Pastor Mark's anger really rooted from? I think they would have to honestly say a lot of times it's not the right kind of anger. So it's sin. And it just trips me out that he doesn't say, don't be angry. He says, give no opportunity to the devil. And oftentimes I've allowed that devil to have opportunity in my life because instead of letting my friend, the Holy Spirit, be intimate with me and lead me, I found ways to let that anger have opportunity that is rooted in all the wrong places. And so to start with, we, we throw away all the lies we get rid of anger, and we're rooted in him, and he loves us. And now continuing, he says, let the thief no longer steal. Rather, let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. And so, this is pretty cut and dry. Stop stealing, right? Stop stealing. But now, here's why I believe Paul told us this, and how it affects our friendship with the Holy Spirit. You see, in John 10.10, 10, this is Jesus' words, John 10.10 10 said, the thief, meaning the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He wants to take the joy and the freedom that the Lord Jesus has given you when you trusted him. And guys, can I be honest with you? If you're not a Christian in this room today, this is for you. This is the work right here that the devil has done in your life. If you feel hopeless, alone, lost today, it's the truth. Because Satan has robbed what you can have. You see, there's one sin, there's one sin that the Holy Spirit cannot bring us back like we talked about last week. There's one. And it's rejecting him. It's rejecting Jesus. And that is what the, whole, that's what the devil wants for you more than anything. He doesn't want you to do weird, weird rituals. He's not worried about if you're in Wicca and all these other things. He just wants to rob your joy. And if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, and said, I realize who I am, a sinner that deserves hell and separation from God forever and ever. But you came to take my place, and I give you my life. And the Holy Spirit, you come in and you seal me. And forever and ever, I'll follow you. And I'm his friend. He didn't just die for me. He lives for me. It's crazy. All he wants is to rob that joy. And so here's why I believe Paul added that in there. When we steal, it breaks the Holy Spirit's heart, who's our friend, because we emulate Satan, robbing people of what they have. And even if it's as simple as this, you're like, Pastor Mark, I don't struggle with that. If you cheated on a test last week, you took the possession of someone else's and made it yours, and you robbed them. And guys, we've got to do our work with our own hands so that we have something we can share and not we're robbing from other people. 
And there's something about helping each other. What can I do to help? But there's a whole other thing about taking it for yourself. And that's an integrity issue, but it's also, who do I look most like? Friend with the devil or friend with the Holy Spirit? And then this is a big one for me, guys. It says, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear it. Corrupt talk. This is interesting. Here's another one of my 2015 goals, personal spiritual goals that I've written down. Corrupt talk is the same word for filthy or rotten fruit. Rotten fruit. Now, if you change this to let no rotten fruit come out of your mouth, that kind of changes the game a little bit, doesn't it? Do not let what comes out of your mouth be rotten and filthy. Now, when we hear that, we think, well, he must be talking about cuss words. And it certainly includes cuss words. It certainly includes taking God's name in vain and saying it in a harsh and, and bad manner. But it's much deeper than that. Anything that is not honorable that comes out of this mouth that does not mean to lift you up. You're like, Pastor Mark, what if it's true? Okay, what if, what if it is true? But what if it tears down, right? Like if I come to you brother to brother, or brother to sister, and I say, you know what? I want to address something with you one-on-one. -on -one. That's not corrupt talk. But if I go to my buddies in the back of the room, we're like, can you believe they did this? That's corrupt talk. And real talk, I've been guilty of that a lot of times in my life. Like gossip and slander and me using my mouth for anything that is not honoring to other people, and most especially to God, it tears down. Can we just be real right now for a second as a body, as a church? Maybe that's why people don't want in, right? Maybe that's why the tens of thousands of people that surround our church in Greenville County and Spartanburg County and the counties all around us and around this world, maybe they don't want what we have because they see lying and cheating and stealing in the body and they see corrupt talk because we look so much different than we say on Sunday mornings. This is not a Sunday morning message. This is a Monday through Sunday. This is every single day. And this is the conviction. Remember what it means last week? That he pulls us and tries to get us in a right standing. Not you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty. But come back to me, I'm your friend. And this is where the Holy Spirit is convicting my life right now. Let your yes be your yes. Follow me and in every way let me lead you and guide you and walk beside you and let your words be uplifting and not tearing down. And guys, I'm just being real. Just listen to ourselves and watch our social media pages and see how we tear each other down. And listen, here's the truth. A lot of times we're wrong, don't we? Like a lot of times we're wronged. But it doesn't make it right to get even and to say it, God help us. He says, give grace to those who hear what comes out of our mouth. And here's the, here's the question. How much grace, Pastor Mark? Like, when's the, when's the line? Where do I cut it off? Where do I cut it off? Here's the question that I would ask you. Where do you cut off the grace that you want to receive from the Holy Spirit? Like he's given you, grace is simply the favor that comes from God. It's when he looks at you and says, you know what, I know you don't deserve this, but I'm going to give you good gifts from me. I love you. You're my friend. I have fellowship with you. Here's, here's some grace. How much do you want to receive? That is how much you should give. For what we sow, 
for the grace that we sow, that's how much we'll reap. Next one. And then this is the deal right here. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Your friend. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed. So guys, this is for the Christians, but non-Christians, I want you to stay with me. On the day that you trusted Jesus Christ, I know the day, I remember the place, I remember what I was doing. And on that day, the Holy Spirit, through Jesus, I trusted Jesus as Savior, and then the Holy Spirit came inside of me, and like a ring, used to seal a binding document. And that was the covenant that he made with the people. That is the seal that we have in Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. We were sealed for the day of redemption, meaning there's nothing, there's no one. Romans 8 says, neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor principalities, nothing can separate me from God's love. How? Because I was sealed by the Holy Spirit on the day of redemption. And so he says, don't grieve the one that sealed you. By the way, the one that sealed you is right beside you. He, he's inside you. He loves you. He's walking with you. And here's, here's the question is, do you grieve him? You say, what do you mean by grief? What do you mean by grief? So just a, uh, about a month ago, um, I buried one of my closest friends in ministry. He's the guy that taught me uh, ministry. He's the guy that I learned all of student ministry from. I loved him. Anytime I had a, a tough day, ministry question, it just like Tiny would know, I'm going to call Mark. He, I, I think he had some kind of spiritual ESP with me. And he'd text me. He'd, he'd always say something funny, like right when I needed it. If I had a question about how do I deal with this subject, we just, I just texted him. And just about a month ago, he passed away from a heart condition called cardiomyopathy. And here's the deal. When I did his funeral, I thought about all this. I was beside his family. My heart hurt. I was broken, just like many of you have dealt with the grief that comes from death. This is the death grief that comes with the Holy Spirit. You see, my relationship with Tiny is still there. Tiny is in heaven, and because I've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior and was sealed, I will see him again, therefore my relationship is there. I know I'm going to see him again. However, my fellowship with Tiny is not there. Because here's, here's the thing, I can't pick up the phone right now and call him. And I really wish I had. In the last month, there were at least three occasions where like, man, I really wish I could call Tiny. It stinks. And I'd tear up and I'd think about it and it hurts. Why? Because I love him. Because I love him. That's my boy, right? That's my dude. And I want to walk with him. I want to walk beside him. I want to text him. He's humongous. That's why we called him tiny, six foot six, 300 something pounds. I just want to come up and give him a big bear hug because he's bigger than me and not many people are. And let him help me through difficult situations. And he can't because my relationship's there, but my fellowship is severed. Guys, can I be real with you? All the things that we just named and how we're going to end, that's why the Holy Spirit grieves. It's not because he's mad at you and it's not because he's moody. It's not because he comes in the room and says, those morons sinned again. I'm done with them. When you were sealed at the day of redemption, when you've trusted Jesus Christ, he's never done with you. But it breaks his heart like it breaks mine at his funeral when I look and say, I wish I could talk to him. And you can't. What sin, constant, unconfessed, sin does in your life is it separates or severs my fellowship like death with God because here's why here's why here's why light cannot have fellowship with darkness God is light God is love and he is a perfect loving holy wonderful God 
that when I'm walking in sin and when the earlier verses are what defines my life, I am lit- literally spiritually dead in my sin. Now I'm alive in Jesus Christ, but when it comes to relationship, it is there. But listen, you're like, Pastor Mark, I hadn't heard from God in forever. Like, I, I don't get it. And my question is, do you have unconfessed sin? Is this what defines your life? Because you do have a relationship if you've trusted him, but you have zero fellowship. And just like I feel with Tiny, the Holy Spirit feels about you because he loves you so much. He is such a sweet, kind, gentle friend. And it hurts you and it hurts others when you sin. And the call is not to be perfect. That's impossible. The call is not to live a lifestyle far from God. The call is when I sin. 1 John 1, 9, I confess my sin. He is always faithful and just to forgive us. But listen, you say, Pastor Mark, what if there's one sin that I continue to struggle with? And I want to give you an example of what we do with that. It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger, clamor and slander be put away, right? Put away from you along with all malice. And so bitterness is an interesting one because it's a good example of something that like we struggle with forever. Some of you guys, and I want everybody right here, right now, because this is important. Some of you guys have trusted Jesus and some of you haven't. And there's people in your life that wronged you 20 years ago. And deep in your heart, you've hated them. And here's where it can come from. Here's where it can come from. Some of you were abused, right? Let's just be real. Some of y'all were abused, sexually, emotionally, or physically abused. And if anybody has a right to be bitter, it's you. But I'm telling you, bitterness is a root that is deep inside of you, and it causes all these sort of things, clamor, which is brawling, and and this deep-rooted hate that causes you to want to fist fight. And if in your life it shows a root, what comes out is this is this filthy fruit, or this or this poison, or this toxicness that was called rotten fruit in Scripture. If that's what's coming out, then what is inside is bitterness, and the deep-rooted part is because the Holy Spirit, who sealed you on the day of redemption has never been given this and said, you know what, you're the God that can heal everything. You're the God that loves me and the Holy Spirit inside of me can do any sort of miracle that I give him. But I hold on to these things because I'm bitter. Some of y'all were cheated on by a spouse and then divorce took place in your life and some of y'all did the cheating and you're embarrassed and you've never let go and let God have. And some of y'all did all kinds of things or had all kinds of things done that I can't even, that doesn't even come to my mind. And here's the deal. Bitterness is a root, but it was caused by something else. It was caused by anger and it's years oftentimes of anger and then leads to all these other things. And lust is another one, right? That's unconfessed and never dealt with. And the danger with this is when it's deep rooted and pitted. I will not have fellowship with God. And this is what he says. Get rid of them. Cut them off. Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another. Forgiving one another is how to get rid of bitterness. I'm just telling you this. If you're bitter towards somebody, and I mean really deep-rooted bitter, if you pray for that person, if someone abused you and you begin to pray that God will deal in their heart, Convict them of their sin because God's the God of judgment and he will deal with them. But we also love on them and pray 
but God will restore them if they're Christians or bring them to Him through the sealing power of the Holy Spirit. It's really hard to hate and be bitter towards someone that you're praying for. And my fellowship with God is restored as a result of my heart being touched by forgiving spirit. That only happens when I forgive the people that hurt me the most. But if anyone deserves to get a pass, it's not me. And it's certainly not the way God forgave me. Because if I'm being honest, like, Pastor Mark, you don't understand how bad someone did and what I didn't do. What about how bad I am and what God didn't do? (laughs) What about that? The Bible calls me a wretch or a filthy sinner, meaning I'm so far from God because of what I've done. No matter what it is, each one of us are guilty. And we're so guilty, he says, my righteousness, which means right standing with God, like we talked about last week, is, is filthy rags, is dirty minstrel cloths. And yet, and yet, Christ Jesus forgave me. Why? Because when I was hopeless and lost, he looked down on me and said, I love you. I'm sending Jesus to die for your sins, to take the place of all that filth so that you can be alive. If I forgive others the way Christ forgave me, then there will be no forgive, or there will be no bitterness, and there's hope for me. But guys, guys, this is what we'll leave with. The Holy Spirit loves you. He is a tender, sweet, merciful God who desires a relationship with you and he wants to be with your friend. And he wants to have daily fellowship, walking with you closely, helping you in the the hardest times and walking with you in the best times. But the only way he's your friend is two ways. Number one, he's had to seal you And that means you've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. And I'm just being honest. In a room with this many people in it, some of you have never trusted Christ as Savior. In just a minute, we're going to give you an opportunity to respond to the gospel. And my hope is that you will not leave here without having freedom in your life. And some of you have so many hurts. Let God heal them because he's the only one that can. For every one of you that call yourself a Christian today, the question is this. Is this how you would define your relationship with the Holy Spirit? And if not, what is it that you're holding on to that you need to let go? Will you pray with me? God, this morning, I believe that there's people in this room right now that are hurting so bad because of what's happened in the past. And all the sins, starting in verse 25, are what define our lives. And so God, right now, I pray that you will move and change lives for the sake of Jesus with your heads bowed and eyes closed, this is what we want to do right now. What we want to do is give you an opportunity to respond to the gospel of Jesus, and it's as simple as this. Pastor Mark, I've never met Jesus Christ. What we would like for you to do, if you want to trust Jesus Christ, it's as simple as this. You don't have to raise your hand. All we want you to do is on on your worship guides, there's a card, and at the bottom of it, it says, I've trusted Jesus Christ today. If you want to say yes to Jesus, I want you to fill your card out, I want you to check the box, and then I want you to go to the room in the back. We will have volunteers waiting to talk to you one-on-one to help you understand more deeply what it means to trust and follow Jesus Christ. And then for every person that struggled, every person that struggled with being a friend, intimate with God, with your fellowship, 
we want to help you. We want to help you walk closer to God. And here's the deal. In two weeks, in two weeks, we're starting small groups. And there's going to be a small group for every person in this room. And there's just something about doing this thing together that changes everything. And so what we're asking you to do, sign up right now. Put it on your card. Go back to the next steps table. Let us find you the right small group for you. But guys, I'm telling you, it's hard to do this thing by yourself. I have people that lift me up every single week at our small group. And there's a small group for every single one of you. So I'm asking you guys, don't, don't stay where you are. Leave and be a changed person. Walk arm in arm with one of our people. We love you and we want you to know this. The Holy Spirit of God loves you. He's not weird. He's not crazy. He's not moody. He wants to be your friend. Y'all stand and worship with us as we close. Have a great week.